Our first reading this morning comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the epistle of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And may God bless the reading and hearing of this holy word. There are moments in your life when you know things are about to change forever. 
One of the first I remember was the day I moved into my dorm at Presbyterian College. We had done all of the morning things, the moved our stuff in, gone to the parent-student convocation, all the while me wishing that my parents would just go ahead and go so I could get started. We had filled out all the forms, paid whatever bills, all of those things. And yet I will never forget the feeling of standing on the sidewalk in front of my dorm watching my parents drive away and wanting nothing more than to run down that sidewalk, chase them down in their car and say, no, no, take me home, take me back. I don't want to stay here. Because I knew that once they left, this new world would really begin and life would never be quite the same. We've all had those moments when you know life is going to change, some of them good, some of them difficult, when you hear the words, you have cancer, or that moment that you see that the pregnancy test is positive, the first time you realize that someone you trusted has betrayed you, the first time you hear the words, I love you, or when you find out that your company is downsizing and your job is one of the ones that's ending. I'm sure you have many other examples. I think Thomas was at one of those moments. Poor Thomas always labeled the doubter. I've always thought that was a bit unfair. Every disciple except Thomas was in the upper room when Jesus first appeared to them. They got to see him. They were able to touch him and see the wounds. Yet when Thomas rejoins them, he rejoins them back in that same room, safe inside closed doors. Even the ones who had seen Jesus alive didn't quite know what to do next. So maybe Thomas wasn't quite ready yet to consider how it would change his life and maybe even the whole world if the disciples were telling the truth and Jesus had in fact been raised from the dead. Now, Jesus did come into that room again. He understood Thomas' anxiety and doubt, and he didn't refuse his request. In response, as soon as Thomas sees Jesus, he proclaims, my Lord and my God. Thomas proclaims the good news that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, the first disciple to make this proclamation of faith in Jesus and it is only after this proclamation that Jesus says that, those, that there are those who will believe without seeing and they will be blessed. The author of 1 Peter makes it clear that true to Jesus' words, the people he is writing to in this epistle never got the opportunity to see Jesus. They didn't have the benefit of Thomas and the other disciples or of Mary and the women at the tomb of seeing and touching Jesus after his resurrection. No, they had to trust in the faith and the words and the stories that are being passed on to them, as do we. There were not very many people who actually saw Jesus after the resurrection, maybe a few hundred at the ascension. So in the early church, nearly everyone had to be willing to step out of their old way of doing things, their old way of thinking about the world, and to trust in this new way that the apostles were bringing to them, even though they had not seen Jesus with their own eyes. 
this new life, and the church included being willing to worship and even eat together with those who had been previously identified as unclean, as other, as different. It meant being a people whose lives were no longer tied up in following an old way of life and an old way of looking at other people but people whose lives who were given over completely to sharing the good news with anyone and everyone and inviting people from all walks of life to be part of this new kingdom of God on earth. Now, Peter also points out that there will be trials. There will be difficult times, times of being tested by fire as faith in the risen Christ changes their lives and ours and their outlook towards others. But out of that fire, he promises, out of that testing, what will be left is pure gold. Better than gold, he proclaims, for even gold will perish, but a relationship with God will never perish. Right now, our world is experiencing one of those moments One of those times of challenge and difficulty, and it impacts members of this congregation and our world very differently in terms of how hard the trial is and what hardships or maybe even benefits come out of it. But all of us are feeling the anxiety of not being sure what will happen next. And as an interim pastor who has been with this congregation through an inordinate number of staff changes over the last few years, I would add, too, that for Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, you have also been in a time of trial, maybe one that has been longer than just a single moment. In light of the experiences and challenges the church has had over the last few years, and in particular as we have been worshiping and meeting together yet separately over the last month, have we started to learn what the pure gold of our church and our faith really is? Do we have a better sense of what we have to have in order to live as people of golden faith as opposed to what we wish we had for ourselves? Are there things about the old normal that it is time to let go of, the way the early church had to let go of their understanding of what it meant to be people of faith? Are there things that have been keeping us huddled in safe and comfortable places instead of heading out to do what Jesus is calling us to do next? Are there things that are essential to us as a people of faith? that maybe we are realizing need more attention and more energy. Now that most of the transitions here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian have been completed, should the church just go back to doing things the way we've always done them? And as much as we want to run to the doors, fling them open, declare the pandemic ended, and bounce right back to normal, is it possible that we, at least as a church, shouldn't even try to return to the old normal any more than the disciples were simply to go home and resume their old lives that they had before they met Jesus. I believe that Jesus is with us in and through the challenges of today, just as he was with the disciples and Thomas as they were deciding what to do next. 
What if we allow God to use this time to point us at a way to live into this new and changing world as people of faith who have been sent out from the church walls? Knowing what that will look like is kind of like trying to answer the question from Tony's song, how do you smell the color nine? That may make us anxious because like Thomas, we don't know what will come next. Yet I already see people responding to the challenge of what it means to be people of faith in this changing world, in this time of challenge. I have witnessed over the last month how people of faith have continued and even increased in their witness to the world, even if that is simply by going home and staying there behind closed doors like the ten disciples though this time it is in order to help keep others safe. For Jesus made it clear throughout his ministry that it is part of our calling as people of faith to look out for and care for those who are most vulnerable. I have read and listened to the stories of those who are essential workers out in the world like Thomas was, unable to remain in safe places but out of their faith and love for others, they are serving and caring in tangible ways. I have also experienced the grace of those who are calling each other, who are looking out for those who might be lonely, who are praying for others, who are reaching out in ways that are deeper and stronger than when their lives were overfull of busyness and focusing on those things that turn out maybe to not matter quite so much as we thought they did. I see those who are stepping up to make sure that the church is supported and those who out of their ability and gifts are able to make sure that there are resources available to those who most need them. As part of our neighborhood church study, we've already started changing the questions that we ask as a church, asking what do people in the neighborhood, in our community, in those whom we touch, what do they need instead of what do we want? And so I rejoice just this week to hear leaders of our neighborhood study groups begin to talk about ways to celebrate and share the good news of Jesus Christ with our community both within this community of faith, within our literal neighborhoods, and within the larger neighborhood of the low country and beyond. In times of trial, we are called to be like pure gold. Our faith grows when instead of focusing on our challenges, we pay attention to what God is calling us to do in and through those challenges and listen to God and where God might be calling us next. As Peter puts it, Christ has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. A living hope. And Peter reminds us that though we do have not seen him, we love him. Though we do not see him now, we believe in him. And so we can rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For Easter reminds us that God breaks into all the places where we are. Jesus breaks out of the tombs, enters rooms where we thought the doors were locked, engages with our questions, breaks through our confusions, 
walks with us in the garden and on the road. It was true 2,000 years ago. It was true three months ago. It is true now, and it will be true as we take halting steps into what is next for our community, country, and world. During this challenging time, I pray that you are seeing signs of the resurrected Christ continually breaking into the places of anxiety and struggle and pain. I pray that you are experiencing God's grace, whether you remain behind closed doors or are out doing essential work in the community. I encourage you to find ways to share the good news that the living hope is with us. Christ is with us, our Lord and our God, for the good news is that Jesus Christ breaks in to be with us in all times and in all circumstances. What greater joy can there be? Thanks be to God. Amen.